It is good to see you all here tonight. We're going to have a good time in the Lord's house. Uh, there's not a better subject than our subject tonight. Look at Zechariah chapter 2. Let's start reading in verse 10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and shall be my people. And I will dwell in the midst of thee, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto thee. And the Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion in the Holy Land, and shall choose Jerusalem again. Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for he is raised up out of his holy habitation. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, help us as we study your word tonight. Lord, you know, as always, we need your help. Lord, thank you for these faithful people being here to study your word together. Lord, I pray it's a blessing to them, but most of all that you're glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, one thing I want to say is if you look at verse 12, and the Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion in the Holy Land. The Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion in the Holy Land. The Lord willing, I'm going to preach on that next Sunday morning. We're going to go through the Bible and we're going to look at what the Bible says about inheritance. And I was going to do it this morning, but it's a little bit more detailed. Uh, I wanted to do a little bit more work on it. So next Sunday morning, we're going to learn what the Bible says about inheritance. And notice what it says there. Judah is the Lord's inheritance. It's interesting, isn't it? So we're going to have fun looking at that next week. This, this evening, though, I just want to look at some reasons why we ought to love God. Some reasons we ought to love God and demonstrations of the love of God that are found in this text. You know, the Bible says that, that we love him because he first loved us. And here in this text, we're going to see several uh, demonstrations of God's love that I think can become very personal to us if we'll just be aware of them. So let's start in verse 10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come and I will dwell in the midst of thee saith the Lord. I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Bible says that God, Jesus Christ told the disciples that, that the Holy Ghost, which is with you and shall be in you, whom I will send in my name, he's going to come and the Holy Ghost of God, the Holy Spirit of God will dwell not with us, but in us us. We have something unique and special in the history of the world. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. God loves us so much and he has such a desire to communicate with us that he'll actually come and dwell within us. And he's there immediately. Just a thought away. The Lord is just a thought away. If you've been alone, you're lonely, you wish you had somebody to talk to? If you're a believer, you are never, ever alone. This is interesting. When he's telling Israel he's going to dwell in the midst of them, that means he's physically going to dwell in the midst of them. That's a blessing. He dwells in us. See, we... How many of you are excited about the Lord's return? I am. You know, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But we don't have to wait for His return, or we don't have to wait until His return to know His presence. He dwells in us. We take Him everywhere with us. 
I just love that thought that, he'll, that He is dwelling with us. He loves us so much that He wants to do that. Um, look at uh, verse 11. This one to me is really cool. Another way that God has demonstrated His love, not only to Israel, but He'll demonstrate His love to many nations. The Bible says in verse 11, And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and shall be my people. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and shall be my people. Now, who are God's people now? Israel. Israel is God's people. And now we're the people of God as we have been grafted into the vine. And maybe one of these days we'll do some teaching on that. What does it mean that we're grafted into the vine? But the simple fact is that God chose Israel. The gospel came through Israel. The word of God came through the Jews. And any hope that we have is through what came to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Is that right? And so we understand that as Gentiles, as Gentiles, it is the special grace of God that we can know Him at all. And that's what's going on in this age. That's what's going on in this age. But here in uh, the millennium, what's going to happen are these nations are going to be joined to God. Now, I want us to look at this where it says joined to the Lord. What's that talking about? And this will help us to understand the love that God has for us and the love that we can have for Him. Um, this is going to happen. Look at Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. This is when this joining to the Lord is going to take place. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 1. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now, let me just stop there for a second. Um, it really is a great joy to study and to be taught the word of God. Um, I remember the first times that I heard um, just great Bible teaching, where somebody was going to show me wonderful things from the word of God. And just as a young man, I was probably in fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, right in there when I was really understanding and following that. And I remember how exciting it was. I always looked forward to Bible conference. I remember we went to a revival at a church near us. I think it was in Danbury, Connecticut. And uh, Dan Souza was the pastor there. And they'd brought in this evangelist. And he was a wild man. I still remember him. He'd say something. He'd, he'd say, now, hold your seat. That's what he'd say. Hold your seat. I don't know what that means, but that's what he would say. But I remember loving to hear preaching and being excited to hear the teaching of God's word. I remember the first time I went over to New Philadelphia and I heard Jeff Adams for the first time. And he was teaching the scriptures. What an exciting thing that was for me. Mark Trotter as he would teach the scriptures. Because they were teaching it the way I had been taught you were supposed to teach it. And the way I had been trying to study it. But it had been hard to find people that taught the Bible that way. And I remember how excited I was for that. And I am still very excited. When I, was, when I met James Knox and I started listening to his preaching and Jeff Faggart started listening to his preaching. How many of you learned something about the book of Psalms while Jeff Faggart was here? 
And it's just exciting to, to sit and, and be taught something from the Word of God. Now imagine the Gentile nations going up to Jerusalem, which has been lifted up above all the other mountains, all the other kingdoms. And you walk up there, and then Jesus Christ sits and teaches you about the Word of God. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? And see, it's going to be different for us than for these Gentile nations because we're His children. We know Him. We're saved. And we're going to know Him because we'll see Him as He is. That's what the Bible says. And then we looked at the passage this morning, and we're going to be like Him. So not only will He be teaching us amazing things, we'll have the capacity to understand them. How many of you ever heard teaching that you knew was great teaching, you just couldn't quite follow it? Right? And, and I'll do that. I'll be hearing something that's really awesome, and I'll listen to it over and over and over again till I can grasp it and look up the dates or look up words. I'm reading this book right now. Um, that I'm reading, and there are words that are not in the dictionary in this book. This guy's making me mad. You know what I mean? How many of you ever read a book like that? It'll make you crazy, but it's stretching me, and I'm enjoying learning some of these things. Imagine what it's going to be like to go up before the Lord and have Him teach us. But here's the question. Why would He do that? Why in the world would He do that? We have to remember ourselves. You know, if you have people that you think are less than you, that they're going to come and start asking you questions and be around you, and you desire them to come so that you can teach them and communicate to them. Why in the world would God do that? Because He loves us. We really ought to reciprocate that love. How can we do that? By being interested in His Word now. We could start there. Now, go with me to um, Genesis chapter 29. I think this is right. I didn't look back at my cross-reference, but let's look at this. Yeah, Genesis 29, look at verse 34. Now, this is Leah, Jacob's wife, Jacob's first wife, the tender-eyed woman. And remember, Laban had tricked Jacob, and he had wanted to marry Rebekah. Is that right, Rebekah? have the names right? Rachel. Rachel. Rebekah is Isaac. I always mix those two up. Rachel. All right? He'd wanted to marry Rachel, and Laban tricked him, and he got Leah. Can you imagine when he lifted the veil? <laughs> you know? Um, but he was... <laughs> you got to picture these things. You know what I mean? It's real. It really happened. Um, <laughs> it's really a bummer. So he marries her, and we think about that. But have you ever thought about how sad that was for Leah? Can you imagine... Your dad having to trick somebody into marrying you? That's how Shauna got married. <laughs> Michigan people, you know. Um, it's really interesting to see this passage now. So now I think she's about to bear Joseph, his third son, or Jacob, his third son. Um... And look at what she says, verse 34. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now, this time will my husband be joined unto me 
because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. Now what's interesting about this is, for me, first of all, just the sadness. Now maybe he'll be joined to me. So this idea of the children of Israel, I'm sorry, not the children of Israel, but these nations being joined to the Lord, it means something very, um, very deep and very important. Because obviously, Jacob and Leah had a physical relationship. Is that right? She wanted something much deeper than that. Something much more meaningful than that. That's the idea of being joined to the Lord. So when the Bible says that a man shall leave his mother and father, and woman leave her mother and father, and they too shall be joined together and be made one flesh. We often think of that in the physical sense, but it's talking about much more than that. It's talking about in a very deep and spiritual way, you're joined together, you're one. The Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And that oneness that a husband and wife are supposed to have in a marriage relationship, that oneness that Leah was, was, was greatly desirous of for her husband, that's what God is going to give those nations. They're going to be joined to the Lord. They're going to know Him in an intimate and in a personal way. Just as the Bible calls us the bride of Christ. We're going to know God, know the Lord in a very special way. That's what's going to happen for these nations. And here's the wonderful thing. That's what God has given us in our relationship with Him. What did the Apostle Paul said? I have espoused you to one husband. We're the bride of Christ. What did the Apostle Paul say? That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable to His death. That relationship that God wants to have with you and me right now, that's what He's going to give the Gentile nations at some point. We can have it right now. Why does He do that? Because of His great and amazing love. How many of you think that maybe we ought to reciprocate? And give him that love back. And here's the deal. That can only happen as we talk to him. As we communicate with his word. Of God, with, with his word. Just like you husbands and wives. Um, you know, the, when I wrote the Why Baptist book, I sat down with a preacher. And I gave him a copy of it. And he said, I've got two families in my church right now getting ready to be divorced. How is this going to help them? And I, I was taken aback for a minute. You know, because I thought, well, that was kind of rude, <laughs> you know. I mean, I, it was, I, I took it personally. And that's not what he meant. Sometimes a pastor can get so tied up in the lives of his people that we forget the only tool available to us to help them. So the, the book, Why Baptist, is all about the church. And if a husband wants to understand how to love his wife, the Bible gives us that illustration. As Christ also loved the church. So the, our understanding of how the home works 
is based on the relationship that Jesus Christ has with His church. And so if we really understand what Jesus Christ did for the church, well, He humbled Himself. How many of you think it would help your marriage if somebody would humble themselves? Right? He humbled Himself. He submitted to the will of the Father, not my will, but thy will be done. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 to submit one to another. That's where it starts. Then husbands, or then, then wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands in the Lord. Why are we going to do that? Because Jesus Christ demonstrated that to us. He submitted to the Father. The, the church submits to the bridegroom. We're the bride of Christ. We submit to Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's for our good. It's for the best. That's the way that we can reach the world. That's the way our children can understand proper structure and be raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let's genuine love because it's being like Christ. And see, when we start understanding those things and we understand what real love is, real love is sacrifice. Real love is humbling. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. Because that's how a husband's supposed to behave to his wife. He's supposed to take on the form of a servant. See, it's so cool Laura's not here tonight while I'm preaching this. Yes! You know, because I don't have to be a servant now because she's not here to hear it, get it, you know? Um... You see, the, the relationship that the church has with Christ, it's so instructive to every other relationship that we have, right? We understand that. The Bible talks about children and how a father will discipline his children, but he only disciplines the children that he loves. So, kids, if your parents don't discipline you, it's because they don't love you. Um. That's, is that what the Bible says? And so we start understanding some of these things about the homeworks. Why did God reveal that stuff to us? Because He loves us. Because He loves us. That whole idea of those Gentile nations, they'll be joined to the Lord and they'll be His people. That's a very unique and a very special thing that He's already given to us. The thing that is prophesied in the Bible that will revolutionize the world, He's already given that to us. I think that kind of love ought to be reciprocated. We just need to love the Lord. We need to love the Lord. Look at the next verse. Go back to Zechariah 3, or Zechariah 2. Whenever I stammer around like that, now I know Pastor Nathan's making a note. He's going to use it in the future. Um, so look at what it says in verse 11 again. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and we know what that means, and shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. And so we've talked about that. That's, a, that's another demonstration of the Trinity, the angel of the Lord, the Lord of hosts, all of that's demonstrated here. Then look at verse 12. Another reason to love the Lord. And the Lord shall inherit Judah his portion in the holy land, and shall choose Jerusalem again. This idea of the Holy Land. Um, I know Dr. Ree's been there. I've been there. Um, who else here has been to the Holy Land? You've had a chance to go over. You've been there. Anyone? Uh, yeah, Rania, of course. Rania's 
aunt lives right across the street from the garden tomb. I think we all need to go stay with Rania's aunt. <laughs> is that right, the, the, the garden tomb? Is that? Yeah. Um, when you go over there, here's the first thing that you understand. Well, it's not really very holy. You know, Jerusalem, um, the, 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 at night when you're walking around the city, you're hearing the Muslim call to prayer. And if you know anything about Islam, it's not holy. Right? And so you go there, and of course, everybody's trying to kill each other, um, the, the, whole, the whole area. You know, guards, when we went down into the Kotel Tunnel underneath the, the, the western wall, um, when we were down there on our tour for so long, when we came back up, we're supposed to come out on this other end, but it was going to be in the Palestinian area, but we didn't have our guards with us. It was too late. So rather than go up on the Palestinian side and there might be trouble, we had to go all the way back through the tunnel and come back under the Jewish side. Why? Because there's not peace in the Holy Land yet. Do you want to see how the Bible describes it? This is going to be the Holy Land again when the Holy One of Israel is on His throne in the midst of His people. Right? Let's look at what it's called now. Go to uh, Revelation chapter 11. This is talking about the two witnesses. It's funny. Dalton Robertson and I preached up at Cleveland Baptist Church. And this is two or three years ago. We did a Y Baptist conference. And every time I go there now, I'll go there for a fellowship meeting or whatever, somebody will come up to me. This happened to me just, I was there a month or so ago for a fellowship meeting. I took Jacob with me up there. And this older gentleman sang. And then he came down and he sat in front of me. He turned around and he said, you're one of the two witnesses, aren't you? That's what they call Dalton and me there, the two witnesses. Um, so let's start reading in verse 6. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony... The beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their bodies shall lie in the street of the great city. Now, this great city is Jerusalem. Okay? And look at how the Bible describes it. This great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now, when, how many of you think of Holy Land when you think of Sodom and Egypt? Isn't that interesting? That's the way that um, the Holy Land is viewed when viewed through spiritual eyes. But you know what it's going to be? It's going to be the Holy Land. And we're going to live there. And we're going to rule and reign with Christ there. Is that wonderful? That is such a wonderful thing. Why is, why is God going to make it holy? Because of His love for His people. But do you know what God has called us? A chosen generation. 
a royal priesthood. That's us. You know what the next word is? A holy nation. See, we as believers are called a holy nation right now. We belong to a nation. Our first priority, our citizenship is not on this earth. Our primary citizenship is not American citizen. Our primary citizenship is we are citizens of heaven. Amen. We are a holy nation. That's what God has called us already. So the love that he's showing, why is he going to make them a holy people? Why is he going to call it the holy land when he returns to it? Because he loves them. He's already done that for us. That demonstrates how much he loves us. And I think that love deserves to be reciprocated. Amen? So let me ask you a question. Do you remember when Peter had denied Christ and he went fishing? This is it. It's over. And when he rose from the dead, he said, go tell Peter that I'm alive. So he goes and finds Peter. Peter's fishing and he tells him to cast to the other side and he immediately knows who it is. And he jumps into the water and just runs to Jesus. And Jesus fixes, fixes him breakfast and they talk. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Peter, lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me more than these? Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. And I think I probably conflated the two stories. The feed my sheep is the one I just told. But the simple fact of the matter is, he asked him if he would deny him. Three times he said no. He denied him three times. So then Jesus comes back and asks him three times, Do you love me? Do you love me? So now, if Jesus Christ came to you right now and said, Do you love me? What would you say? We talked this morning about being transported out of this building and standing before Christ, and then all of a sudden we'd see our filthy garments. Um, but what if Jesus Christ came to you right now and said, Do you love me? And you said yes. And then he looked to the people that know you the best and asked them, does he love me? Does she love me? What would the response be? And I know that the Bible says that in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. I understand that. Uh, I understand that in the, the, to the church at Ephesus, Jesus Christ he commends them about the good things that they've done. But then he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. And their first love is supposed to be him and his words. And they've left that. And that was in one of the best of the churches. So I wonder about you. How's your love for Christ right now? Life can get busy. You young people, you're, you're, getting out of, you're either out of school or you're going to be out of school. How's your love for Christ? You know, you'll have time this summer to really think about the Lord, to really get in the Word, read the Bible, really pray, get to know God better, tell others about Him. How about you guys? You know, it gets to this season. How many of you get vacation itchy? You can't wait to go on vacation about now. That's us. We go on vacation in August, and I can't wait. Vacation, I can't wait. To get, I'm going to get, and you miss the whole summer because you can't wait to, then we get back from vacation and summer break is over. I wonder... 
if on a daily basis I have that desire to know God more, that same intensity of desire that I have as I have for my vacation. I think that all of us would say that our love for the Lord, if we're not reminded, will wax cold. And it's something that has to happen on purpose. And it's just like your relationship with your wife, just like your relationship with your husband. That has to be an on-purpose relationship. It has to be an on-purpose thing of spending time together, listening to each other, caring about each other. It's an investment. Amen? If we don't do that, then you end up just growing apart. And then when the kids grow up and go away, you don't even know how to talk to each other anymore. You don't even know each other. Let's not let that happen. Let's make sure that our love for our spouses, our love for our children, it all flows out of the relationship that we have with our Lord. So as He loves us, that we're able to love others better. Amen? Thank you, Lord, so much for your word, the way that you instruct us through it.